All right. Well, hey, guys, do me a favor and open up your Bibles, please, to the book of Proverbs, chapter 5. So if you find the Psalms, hang an immediate right, and you'll run into Proverbs, uh, chapter 5. We're going to look at all of chapter 5. Uh, there's a lot here. It could bro- be broken down, I suspect, into a few different things, but uh, I'm, I shall use them as sermon points. And this is God's Word, Proverbs chapter 5, starting in verse 1. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as wormwood sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. And now, O sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep her way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless." Lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed. And you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. Let's pray one more time. Father, may the truth be spoken and received here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I have mentioned this to you before, I'm sure, and I know I've mentioned it to uh, friends, and I know I've talked to my wife about it. Um, but one of my very favorite things that ever happens, oh, let me flip that over here, is, uh, there we go. One of my very favorite things that ever happens is uh, when I unexpectedly run into my wife in some strange place. So you're in uh, a Walgreens, and you round the corner, and you didn't know she was there, and all of a sudden, ow, Tammy, that ever happened to you guys? You run into each other, and you go, Oh, look at it, it's you. What about that? It's just, it's the simplest little thing in life, but is it not exciting? It's fun, isn't it? Well, here's what I want to say to you. If your response is even a little like that to any other person who's not her or him, something's wrong. Hold on, I got a push notification. Oh, Amanda. If your heart flutters a tiny bit, something's wrong. Um, That's reserved only for your spouse. There's sin somewhere. Now, um, this might seem like a strange passage, 
um, for a Sunday morning, number one. I mean, there's some stuff. I mean, breasts, I let her breasts fill you at all the times. I bet that shocked a lot of you. Um, um, they, it might seem strange for a Sunday morning. It might be strange for mixed company. It might also be strange in such a Me Too culture. We're in a Me Too culture, and here you have this guy warning his sons uh, to keep away from these crazy women. And uh, that doesn't seem to be very good for the church sign out front, you know? Um, but let me put it to you this way. This applies to all of us, friends, and this is just a, it's a wonderful guard for our lives, and it's a wonderful picture of um, what should be, what can be, and what restoration looks like. It's just full of hope and full of healthy warning. So uh, here's, here's the main idea that I would love for you to walk away with. It's this. Wisdom is manifested in devotion. Um, in other words, wisdom is displayed in devotion. It's manifested in devotion. It's seen in devotion. It shows up there. And I chose that word devotion on purpose uh, because this, these chapters in Proverbs are often summarized this way. Like if you look at, uh, you know, the little publisher's note at the beginning of the passage there, it's not the Bible. It's just a publisher's note. They're like, oh, that, this is what this is about. Some of your translations will say, uh, warning against adultery or the adulterous woman. Um, some of your uh, uh, translations may talk about harlots or prostitution, women of ill repute. But if you read this several times, uh, and I have, you walk away with the greater sense of the teaching. Uh, I think the greater sense of the teaching is that wisdom is manifested in devotion. And you might not put it that way, but you do see that to obey Jesus is to uh, give him what personally pleases him. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and uh, wisdom is manifested in our devotion to this God. There's a, there's a personal aspect to it. It's not just um, follow the rule list. It is that there's a God behind the law. It's not just, oh, I got to be faithful to my wife or else. It's, it's that I am in a relationship with her, and there's a devotion to her and her to me. And so the, from the writer's perspective, um, it, it doesn't matter uh, the, the culture, uh, the, the temperature of the culture. It doesn't matter about the Me Too movement and all that with this. Um, what applies to all of us um, who belong to the saving God is that he is a God who requires devotion. Ours, our devotion to him and our devotion to one another in the thing that is sanctioned by him, which is the institution of marriage. Love needs and gives devotion. All right, so let's go to our first point, which is this, a fatherly appeal for wisdom. Um, um, one of the things that um, takes a little heat off of this politically is the, that the whole thing's set in, in a context. It's very simple. Solomon's writing this, and you know, Solomon uh, didn't have uh, the best relationships uh, in the whole world. Um, and Solomon is, uh, at the end of his life, trying to give some kind of... Uh, uh, feedback to his son. It says here in verse 5, and then sons in verse 7, uh, oh, oh, my son, listen to me. It's put in a context. It's a dad talking to boys, going, hey, this is the life I've lived. This is what I've observed. This is a dangerous scenario. Stay away from this dangerous scenario, or it could harm your soul. Here's some stuff you got to watch out for in the world. And you see that it's this, this impassioned plea. Verse 1, my son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. Uh, it's interesting too, in verse seven, you know, he, he 
he starts his explanation, and then in verse 7, he goes back to the, now sons, listen to me. Do not depart from the words of my mouth. What's interesting is verse 6 could have jumped right to verse 8 without that little interruption. But you see the impassioned um, older man's heart instructing the younger man going, guys, guys, hey, listen to me. I'm telling you, this is important. Listen to me. Don't take this lightly. You see that it's such an impassioned father's plea. Um, there's another interjection too, and it seems like, um, seems like it's important um, uh, to, to God. Look at verse 23. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. That, that's meat for an impassioned plea. The, the, the discerning dad doesn't want the sons to blow it. He, he doesn't want the son to die for lack of discipline and to be full of folly and to be led astray. You know, it's a, it's a father who's trying to do uh, the right thing. All right, application for your life. It's very simply, choose wisdom over folly. Uh, you know, in just this short, short section that we read, in um, verse 1, you've got the word wisdom. You've got the word understanding. In verse 2, you've got the word discretion. Verse 2, you've got the word knowledge, a knowledge that's worth guarding. I mean, that's just impact in a small little space. Verse 23 adds the word discipline. He dies for lack of discipline and contrasts all that with being um, full of folly and led astray. Those are pretty big things. Um, wisdom, understanding, discretion, knowledge, discipline, folly, being led astray, brought to ruin, brought to disgrace in the assembly of the congregation. I mean, that's a, those are pretty high stakes. That's what the Father is trying to say. So you already get the sense in this passage, folks, that the issue of devotion applies to you. It's an impassioned plea from a dude to younger dudes, but it's an impassioned plea to you and me too, that uh, love requires devotion. Love needs and gives devotion. And when it's supposed to be there exclusively, uh, it is to be wholehearted uh, devotion to God and to a spouse. So if that's what God wants, let us pray uh, that he will make it so. That is our first and short point. Um, verse two, I mean, point two, avoid the forbidden woman. Uh, as I told you, other translations, uh, they, that, that word forbidden woman, um, I think it's well put in, in Proverbs, and I think it, it preaches well too. It's, it's great for illustration, this idea of a forbidden woman. But uh, other translations say adulterous, others say immoral, others say strange, uh, estranged, harlot, another man's wife. I mean, those are pretty big things, but the, the ESV goes with forbidden woman, and I really think that's the best way to put it, uh, having uh, studied this some. Uh, the idea is um, foreign or alien, all right? Tammy and I have a relationship. We don't want anything foreign or alien in that relationship, some kind of unknown quantity. Um, I had a friend, a musician friend years and years ago, a trumpet player, and uh, we were in a club one time uh, playing a gig, and he looked down on this dirty, nasty barroom floor, and there was a pill laying on the ground. Somebody had dropped a pill. And uh, he picks it up, and he goes, hey, look at this, a pill. And he promptly pops it in his mouth and uh, downs his beer. And I'm like, dude, then what was that? I mean, you don't even know or care what that alien 
body was? I mean, anybody in here that's going, ew, who would do that? We all do that when we sin. Every time we sin, it's a foreign object. Every time we sin, it's something alien to God's will. You know, we recoil at putting some strange, gross barroom pill. Who knows what that thing's going to do? Slow you down, speed you up, kill you, thin out your blood. Nobody knows. We wouldn't put that, we, we recoil at that, and yet every time we sin, that's what we're doing, folks. We're allowing something alien in. Um, let's, let's go through some of these things that are written here. It says, um, lips of a forbidden woman, a drip honey, mm, delicious, that's sweet, drip, you know, um, attractive. Her speech is smoother than oil. Um, but in the end, she's bitter as wormwood. You know what wormwood is? A wormwood is this, uh, this it's actually in the daisy family, um, but wormwood is this, it's known for having a very strong and odor and bitter flavor. Um, so much so, and I don't know if it worked or not, but they used to put it in you know, drawers and stuff to, to uh, fend off moths and stuff like that. It's bitter, even to the lower creatures. They're like, ick, wormwood, yuck. Um, it's, 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 it's bitter. Um, sharp as a two-edged sword, verse five. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. By the way, when you see Sheol in the Bible, I know that blows people's mind, or we sing the word Sheol out there, and people are like, Sheol? What is that? In, in this world, you know, the discussion of hell doesn't come in until the New Testament, but in this world, Sheol was simply the realm of the dead, all right? So you have people who live on this side of the, earth, the dirt, <laughs> And you have people who are on this side of the dirt. That's the realm of the dead, all right? And so the point is, friend, that um, uh, misplaced devotion doesn't end well. That's the point. Uh, it's got its moorings in the realm of the dead. And, and here's the saddest part. I mean, she does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. I mean, bless her heart. Uh, I mean, there, there's a... There's a heartbrokenness, and there's a there's a there's a feeling of grace in there too. You know, she doesn't even she doesn't even know that her ways wander, and it goes on. He says, "Sons, listen to me. Don't depart from the words from my mouth." In verse eight, he keeps going. He says, "Keep your way far from her. Don't go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others, your years to the merciless." You know, folks. Um, most of the time, when I've heard anything like this preached, the, the the first several chapters of the book of Proverbs. I don't know about you. But, I mean, they do it like on the junior high, eighth grade boys' night or something. And then for the rest of your life, no one ever preaches them before. Because, uh, you know, the message is, stay away from hookers. All right, got that covered? Great. We never have to go back to the beginning of Proverbs ever again. Um, and, you know, you come at it as an adult and you go, wait a second. I recognize people in this, don't you? Uh, don't go, don't go by near her, the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength. Labors go to a house of a foreigner, and at the end of your life, you groan. You ever seen marriages fall apart? We all have. They fall apart, and guess what? The kids are sad, and they're sad for a really long time. You know how long? When they're seventy-five years old, they're still sad. They're still hurt. They still feel like it might be their fault. They still feel like somebody walked out. They still feel like somebody quit the family and left them. The hurt's still there. What about all the stuff you ever worked for? 
Oh, you poured yourself into your career. You tried to build that family and you helped change the diaper on the little ones and you helped grow them up and you put them in school. And all of a sudden, your heart got attracted over here and you did a dumb thing. And now it all gets torn apart. And every gross or stupid thing you ever said or did or emailed or texted or is now in a courtroom and everybody knows, and it's before the assembly. Verse 14, I'm at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Everything ugly that I ever did is now just thrown out there and I'm disgraced and half my stuff or more is taken away. I've got limited visitation with my children and I'm at McDonald's on a Friday night eating up freaking Big Mac with my kid and everybody's looking at me going, oh, I know what that is. Is that what you want? Well, that's the warning. As you read this, it's, like, it's, a, it's a lot better than eighth grade junior high. You go, oh, I recognize it. How I hated discipline, my heart despised a reproof. Well, I, I, let me apply it to your life. Uh, I've been tangled up in a lot of situations here at the church, not at the church. Um, old people that I had talked to for a long time call me up out of the blue. I mean, it's not like people are flooding in and I'm the world's greatest marriage counselor. I'm not. Little things come in waves and all of a sudden you're secretly involved in somebody's life and you're secretly involved in the situation and you've got secret information that you can't tell that you would never tell. I've got a lot of secret information, but I can tell you this. I'm going to talk from a guy's perspective, okay? I'm going to talk from a guy's perspective. Um, not that there aren't girl perpetrators, but the guys are often the perps, or at least they're the ones I'm exposed to. Can I tell you, they all say the same idiotic nonsense. All of them. Well, my wife, she's crazy. 100 out of 100 men. My wife, she's crazy. And I'm like, that's your defense? My wife, let me, let me find the Bible verse that says, uh, if your wife is crazy, you can give up on her. By the way, is anybody not crazy in here? I'm not talking about wives. I'm talking about everybody. Are we not all disturbed? Do we not have weird quirks and habits and, and we can't even understand why we do things and we're glad we have a spouse to help us like stumble to the finish line? How about this? They all say this. Man, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but... You don't know my situation. You don't know my situation. Oh, no one can understand your situation. Listen, I can't fully understand your situation or your situation because I haven't lived your life. I know that. I haven't had your experiences. I don't have your gift package. I don't have your awareness or your IQ or whatever. I know that. But no one can understand my situation. Uh, I think it's pretty easy to understand in a lot of cases. Um, or how about this? I've just got to live my life. Just got to live my life. You know, I've worked a long time, and I finally got enough money where I can afford a divorce. And I just want to live my remaining years in peace and maybe find a better-looking version of her that's 20 years younger. So, you know, (laughs) just saying. It's the same thing over and over again. And can I tell you something else? Sickeningly, I've known, you know, I know know ministers at this church, and I know ministers at other churches. I know ministers... Uh, I have acquaintances here and there through seminary and contacts and stuff. And consequently, I know of people who have blown it within ministry, and their ministry falls out from underneath them, and they lose everything. And um, you know what's amazing? They say the same stupid stuff, exactly the same. It's shocking. They heard it 
They were like me. Ah, I say the same thing all the time. Ha, ha, ha. And then they're in the situation. They go, ma'am, I watch you crazy. You don't know my situation. I mean, I just got to live my life. God wants me to be happy. They say the same idiotic stuff because they're deluded. And you know what my, my reply is? I've said this a number of times. I'll say, well, because I give them advice and they don't follow it. I'm like, well, how about uh, uh, how, uh, stop having intercourse with the person who's not your wife and go back home and, and love the wife of your youth? I say that all. Go, go love the wife of your youth. Um, they won't do it. And I say, I'll see you in eight years. It might be 10. It might be 18. But I'll probably see you in about eight years when it all blows up and it all is messy. And uh, you dump the next one and there's a new one. And now, I guess now there's three grannies and the wedding is just a big pile of cuckoo coming down the aisle and nobody knows what to do with it. That's what awaits you, buddy. Um, All right, let's move on. That wasn't a very eloquent, uh, eloquent segue, but uh, all right. Uh, third point, bring it on home to mama. Um, verse 15, I, I wish you could read some of the Bible commentaries. Uh, I, I, I'll tell you in a second. Look, look, drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. I mean, that's pretty descriptive and groovy, isn't it? And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. People look at the Song of Solomon and they go, oh, it's just a wonderful allegory. It's an allegory. Like this, it's an allegory. Oh, drink from your own cistern. Jesus is the cistern. Really? Who are the breasts? <laughs> I mean, if we're going to allegorize it, let's get, you know, what... what... Guys, a cistern, it's mama. Uh, flowing water from your own well. Go home. Should your springs be scattered abroad? Streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely, dear, graceful. Don't let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated with her love. Uh, Bring it on home to mama. In fact, let me tell you, I don't think it's here. I got a, I got a, it might be this one. There's a footnote in a commentary of a guy who's a seminary professor, one of the most conservative authors you would ever read. Um, he's a genius in how to interpret the Old Testament, just a genius. Um, and he's got a footnote that if I read that footnote, I think it would be my last Sunday because it's got female body parts in it. I mean, when he's talking about drinking water from your own cistern and flowing water and uh, uh, let your fountain be blessed and stuff like that, it's shocking to us, but not, it's only because we, we're not an agricultural community. We don't have goats and cows and dogs doing it in the backyard all the time, and your three-year-old understands sex when they're three. Um, but this is, this is very descriptive. Um, it's even said to be erotic. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I would love to have heard uh, Adrian Rogers read this passage uh, back in the day. The, the point is this, though. The application is this. Friend, let your fountain be blessed. You want to live in a state of blessing? You want to be a, a, a man who's in a home that is blessed and a marriage that is blessed? Um, do you want it for your family? Do you want blessing for your name? Do you want blessing for your offspring? Do you want blessing for your legacy? It's very simple. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. You know how to get kicked out of the ministry? 
um, only three ways. Steal money, preach heresy, stoop somebody. That's it. Um, and stoop somebody, let me put it this way. It's anything weird with the woman who's not your wife. Anything weird, anything strange, anything that's over the line. You know how to ruin your life and make your kids hate you? Do something with a lady who's not your wife. If you want to grieve the heart of God, it works really well there too. Um, um, Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a foreign woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? You want to grieve the heart of God, do that. If you want to be blessed, if you want to be happy, if you want to have a good legacy, go home to mama. And by the way, and if mama's smart, she'll make, it, she'll make you want to come home to her, if mama's smart. All right, last point, the eyes of the Lord see. Uh, verses 21 and following, it says, um, uh, for a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and uh, God ponders all his paths. Um, you know, in, um, you don't have to turn, let me get there real quick, but uh, uh, in, in Psalm uh, 139, we sing this uh, verse um, a lot. Uh, oh, that's not it. Hang on. It's 134. Hold on a second. I got a wrong reference. Uh, oh, I can't find it, but I can sing it. Where shall I go from your spirit? We sing that all the time, don't we? Oh, where shall I? What is it? 139. Well, shall I see? Oh, yeah, there it is. From your presence. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you re- if you read all of 139, thankfully I have like all of it written down here. Um, but you searched me, you know me, you know when I rise, uh, you know when I sit down, you discern my thoughts and so on. Oh, there it is, seven. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I free, f- flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make meta and shield, you're there. Uh, and it goes on and on and on. You form my inmost parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Um, I, I was made in secret, but God knew all of it. Where can you go that is beyond God's gaze? You can't go anywhere. And you know, folks, for a, for a person outside the household of faith, that's very frightening. A man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord. God ponders all his paths. But for the Christian, is it not a comforting thing? I mean, God, God is always there. God is always observing. God sees everything. He sees what's happening on the outside, but he sees what's happening on the inside in your own heart, and he cares about you. He wants the best thing for you. Um, and, and so as Christians, we can go, we're covered by the blood, we're covered by the blood, we're covered by the blood. Um, what is the tone? What is the tone of, um, of Psalm 139? Oh, Lord, you've searched me and know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you discern my thoughts from afar. It's not, oh, Lord, you search me and you know me. Oh, you you know everything about me. No, this is a happy psalm. And even though that we're in the context of a warning here in this passage, is it not also a, a, a comforting thing but also a steadying thing just for our own personal lives? Listen, um, God's watching all the time. God's with you all the time. God cares about you all the time. Does that not change? You know, if you think, well, you know, if Jesus were standing right next to me, (laughs) I wouldn't sin. Oh, I'm faced with a very difficult choice right now, and if Jesus were standing right next to me, I wouldn't sin. Guess what? The Holy Spirit of God indwells you. The eyes of the Lord ponder your paths. 
I mean, so yeah, God is personally with you, and that changes the way uh, we, we live. Now, I want to say one thing before we get off this, and, I'll, um, and we'll close up. Folks, um, as I say, I know a lot of private information. Men and women in this church, outside of this church, recent activity, far, far long ago activity. And I'm telling you, um, you got this, this scary warning with these terrible consequences, with this pain that's inflicted, but guess what? Grace can fix it. Grace covers sins. Grace does a strange thing in the heart where it it can remove anger, it can remove bitterness, it can remove hurt that you never thought could be removed, it can restore a relationship, it can restore the person who was hurt, it can restore the person who did hurt, it can restore the person who doesn't ponder his path and doesn't, doesn't know what he or she is doing. Uh, grace can restore all of that, and I just want you to know that when we talk, when we sing about the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing us and freeing us and freeing our conscience, that's real. You can really be forgiven. You really don't have to drag around this horrible ball and chain your whole life and go, yeah, but when I was I did this. You can be relieved of that, even things that are described in the, in the greatest hurt right here. Um, God is in the restoration business. Do not forget that. That's, Christ is the redeemer of all things. Be hopeful in that. All right, um, last little thing is this. Um, the idea behind the word wisdom in the scriptures, and it's peppered throughout the wisdom literature, wisdom literature, uh, Proverbs and uh, Song of Solomon and, and Ecclesiastes and so on. It's peppered, with, the idea of wisdom is peppered throughout. And the idea really is to be skillful, um, to live skillfully. In fact, Warren Wiersbe has got a, a little a volume, a helpful little volume on Proverbs, and he titled it, Be Skillful. <laughs> that's, and uh, you go, oh, that's a clever. Well, it's smart too. That's the idea of biblical wisdom is to be skillful. It is to skillfully live. Uh, it means to be adept at holy things. It means to be observant toward holy things, discerning of the good, uh, distant to the corrupt uh, and coarse and uh, callous. Uh, last thing I'll do is read this quote. And uh, I got one more little thing for you. Here's a great quote for you. Uh, And it's a really good way to apply all this. There is more wisdom in never letting yourself be tested than in proving the strength of your convictions by flirting with temptation. (laughs) Flee youthful lusts, 2 Timothy, is still the way of God's wisdom. Run away from from the bad stuff. Run away from the stuff that you shouldn't look at. Uh, Run away from uh, that, that razor's edge. And here's how I'll close. There is a line all the time when you walk up to sin, and especially in relationships, um, you know where a line is. You know where it is. You know when uh, you're standing this close to someone, it means this thing, but when you're standing this close to someone, it means another thing. Very fine line, isn't it? Um, You know when you send a text to somebody what an above-board message is. 
I mean, you could look at every text. I text women. I have to. I work with women. I serve with women. I have to. I have to communicate with women. You could read one hundred percent of my texts that I've ever sent, and you would go, "Nothing weird, nothing weird here. All biz," you know. Uh, and it's also peppered with a little bit of a "Oh, and say hi to Henry," you know. You got to throw Henry in there too, you know. But I mean, above board. You know where that line is in relationships, friend. Let me tell you, just run from the bad. If there's a razor's edge, stay away from the edge. It's the wisest way to live. You want to live skillfully? Do that. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you that um, uh, you have loved us with an everlasting love and that you have done something surprising, which is um, you've covered any kind of sin, any 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 transgression, any calamity, any mess, it's all redeemable because you sent your Savior who lives. And uh, we pray, Lord, that we would walk out of here um, warned. We pray that we would walk out of here uh, warmed to uh, a right relationship with our spouse, that we would um, be invigorated toward that end. Um, And we also pray, Lord, that we would walk out of here uh, exceedingly hopeful, remembering that... um, even the deepest, darkest misdeeds, um, we can be free from them, from sin and from sorrow. And uh, we thank you for that in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. Thanks, y'all.